up, what's up? Hopefully all is going great. Here is the first part in the series of A Road Less Traveled. We are all born with a desire to achieve, to be the heroes and heroines we look up to. We all resonate with stories where the peasant becomes the knight, the pauper becomes the princess. But, truth be told, the path from rags to riches is longer in reality than it is on paper. What does it take to actually change your stars? How are everyday people like you and me rewriting their story? Hope you guys are doing great. Um, one quick, quick plug, click, quick plug is I just interviewed Andres Lazarte. I'll be posting the interview tomorrow. It was an amazing interview. Um, he dropped some really good nuggets. Um, our back and forth, we learned a lot about, you know, what it takes to, to work hard and drive and then get above yourself. And I uh, re- really encourage you to check out the interview when I post it tomorrow. Um, but today I wanted to do the first part in the series of A Road Less Traveled. And uh, the, well, I'll tell you a little bit about the backstory of why I'm doing this and then dive right into it. But a week or two ago, for some, that, that poem, A Road Less Traveled, came to my mind. And I, there was a contradiction I, I recognized in it that really like struck me. Is that's one of the most pop. And here's the contradiction: is that's one of the most popular poems in the English language. Like, er, like almost everybody knows that. Tone. If you're if you're culturally culturally relevant, if you haven't been living under a rock for the last like fifty years, uh, I don't know when that poem was published, but whenever, like you know that poem. Like everybody knows that poem. And so I thought, like, wait, wait a second. If everybody knows that poem, if everybody likes that poem, that means they relate with that poem. That means everybody feels like they took the road less traveled. But that's like not that's like incongruent like that's that's there's some distance there like if everybody took the road less traveled then it's not the road less traveled so how do you know it's the road less traveled so that like got me thinking like you know like in different parts or aspects of our life like what do you how do you know that you're actually on the road less traveled and so i didn't want to dive dive down that rabbit rabbit hole too far but i thought well in our in our professional life professionally how do you know that you took the road less traveled? That was like the unique road, right? Like there's got to be clear signs and indicators that you can know, am I on the road less traveled or am I on like the, the, the wide road, you know? And that, I wanted to, I, I made a list of 20 of those things. I posted it on Facebook. Um, I made a graphic with it. So if you want to see the graphic, you can see the graphic um, on my Facebook page, but it's there. And so anyway, that's like, that, and so I'm going to do, there's 20 of them. I'm going to do one episode per one thing and, and talk about it. And so today's that, that first value. Um, but I think it's important for us. And, and, and a disclaimer is to also recognize that just because you take one road over the other doesn't mean like there's not a one that's going to lead to more happiness for everybody, right? It's not a one size fit all. And so even though I'm going to talk about certain things, I don't want people to feel like, bad about themselves because they do one or the other or good about themselves to do one or the other. Like it, it takes, like you need to be self-aware enough to, to understand what works, what works best for you. And in some ways the main road is going to be better for a lot of people. That's why it's the main road. Um, but in a lot of ways, like these parallels that I draw help you like figure out like, well, that is a road less traveled. It's kind of scary, but other people take it and that's how you can take it. I'll try it out, you know? And just like in the poem, it can make all the difference. And so that's that's going to be a 20-part series, um, just probably one a week over the next 20 weeks. 
and hopefully people can gain value from that. And yeah, so before I start, I want to, I did want to read that poem. Well, you should go read it. I'm not a professional reader, but I didn't want to read it as a segue into this, this set, the section today. And I'll probably reference it a few times throughout like the, the, the different sections, but you can go back, you can, you can always go back and listen to it. So, or read it. So it's the road not taken by Robert Frost. You can Google it. It's really, really famous, really uh, popular poem, but I'll, I'll read it to help start the conversation today. So it says, two roads diverged in the yellow wood, and sorry, I could not travel both. And be one traveler, long I stood, and looked down one as far as I could, to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then took the other as just as fair, and having perhaps the better claim, because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as far that, though as for that, the passing there had warned them really about the same. And the morning, and both that morning weekly lay, in leaves no steps had trodden black. Oh, I had kept the first for another day. Oh, I kept the first for another for another day. Yet knowing how way, way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh. Somewhere ages and ages hence, two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Okay, so that's the that's the poem. Go check it out. Obviously, that was not like a professional reading by any. Uh, stretch of the imagination but the the gist of it is is you know there, there's two roads and and they're equal you know it's just because you've taken or i've taken or whoever's taken the one road it has made all the difference and so i want to talk about how one road that i took made all the difference in my life and hopefully that can help uh, people that are contemplating which path they should go on how that should affect theirs so the first um split in the road i want to talk about is is one path leads down the main road, which is the nine to five that most people take. And the other is working just on up until projects complete. There's no, there's no time limit. It's working until, you know, this project's complete, the next project's complete. And that has made all the difference for me. Now I will say that for the last six years, I have not lived in the realm of the nine to five. So it, it is a little foreign to me. And I know that's going to sound a little weird because like at most everybody in America, well, in the world really does some kind of like clock in clock out, like time, management thing, but I want to talk about both and maybe the advantages of both, but specifically the advantages of working just on t- like on until a project's complete. Cause it, it has really made all the difference for me. And so, um, I want to like, so the, the nine to five, let's just dive, let's dive in straight right there. I think most people are really familiar with it, but I want to like help build a little more context of it. So you understand what a nine to five actually is and how that differs from just working on a project till it's complete. So generally speaking, 90 plus percent of people like are, we're, we're trying, like from a young age, they try to train. I don't know. I'm going to screw, screw the percentage, but the, the large majority of people from a young age are trained to do the nine to five because that's what we do in school. Now we don't do the exact nine to five in school. It's probably like a nine to three or an eight to two or, or whatever your, your school schedule was. Um, but they, they set up the society as general, the system, and that's a really vague term tries to get us to do that nine to five. You know, we, we show up at a certain time. If we don't show up at the time, we're tardy or we're late, right? Tardy for school, late for work. And then we leave at a certain time. The bell rings, we leave school, you know, the bell, the, the bell, the, the whatever chimes or the clock hits five and we go home. And then we go home, we check out from work, you know, work life and personal life are separated for the most part. And then life goes on. <clears throat> and that's how, 
most of the world functions. And I think that's, I think there's a lot of good to that. You know, it helps separate work and personal life and that's good to have a balance. Um, in some time, in some, sometimes your life is going to have a balance. Other times it's going to be imbalanced. Um, but the, the, basically the, the unspoken and really spoken agreement, the explicit or implicit agreement of how that nine to five works is you contract, you agree to provide a certain amount of your time. And then in exchange for giving your, your time and effort during the, that allotted amount, that set amount, you, you're given money in exchange for that. Right. And so I think that's real. that's really like fascinating that we've, as a society is in general have decided that's like the generally that's the widely accepted mode of, of working and exchanging human effort. Right. And so that's, that's what I grew up in. That's what I was used to. And I'll be frank. I didn't know anything else outside of that. Right. I just thought that's what everybody did. Cause that's what I did is when I went to school, that's what all my parents and like all their kids did, all their friends did, you know, they just, except for a few, but I never like was close enough to realize that looking back now, I realized they didn't do a nine to five um, or, or like, I'm not, not, I'm using nine to five as like the, the general term of like a, a shift, shift work, right? You can, you, you might be running the graveyard shift, but it's still like an eight, nine hour shift or, or four, whatever that schematic. Um, I didn't realize that like there are other modes of, of work. And so if you're listening to this podcast, it's probably because you don't do a nine to five, but if you do, I think it's a good time for you to reflect on this is, like what you're really doing is, is you're trading your time for some money or your, your time and your effort for some money and it's fixed. That's the most, that's the important thing is it's fixed. There's, there's not like a, a caps. So like when I got my first job, I showed up at nine, I left at five. Sometimes we had events and we, if we ran, if an event ran late that night, then we would show up late the next morning. But there was always this like concept of I work this many hours, you give me this money, you know? And if I wanted any other more money, I had to go out and find it. Like I've either set up another arrangement where I worked a part-time job and there was this hourly rate thing, right? Or, or hourly wage thing, um, or do some kind of side gig, right? And then things changed for me when I got into sales. Um, like we still had to show up for an office at the, at the same time for a meeting, right? And that was like, it was pretty normal. I was like, okay, I show up. And then they just like let us out into the wilderness to go hunt and fish for our own sales. And that was really unique to me. Um, and I actually really liked it. And I'm going to bring another parallel in of why I really liked that. Cause I had at the same time, I had at the same time I was raised in nine to five. I also had this other mentality, this other like upbringing that helped me strive, like thrive in that other environment. And, uh, so all of a sudden I could go hunt and fish for my own stuff. And, and it wasn't based, I like, it doesn't like the hours didn't matter so much as the production mattered. Because the the agreement between myself and the and the employer wasn't like how much how many hours I worked. It was how many widget how many fish I killed. Well, how many pest control accounts I sold. You know how many how many like widgets I sold, and I got paid off the, that. And so all of a sudden, like the the rules of the game were different. The rules were hours don't matter. Like production matters. And so I realized that subconsciously or consciously, probably both that if I put in a lot of hours and my hours are effective hours, I could make a lot more money. And I did. And I was like, this is revolutionary. And like, for me, it was, and I know you're probably, some people are like, this is, is so elementary, Cody. I figured this out when I was like 18. It's like, well, good for you. I didn't figure out till I was 26. So I'm glad you're ahead. Um, 
but for me, it was like really revolutionary that I could like have an agreement with someone that wasn't based off just the time. It was based off of what I did. And that like blew the doors off. You know, it was like the ceiling, all of a sudden there's a ceiling. It's not there anymore. It's like, I can go further longer and do better. Um, and for me, that like was a big difference. Cause what I, what I, I always struggled with the nine to five. I didn't know it. And the reason I struggled with this, cause I just like, what would happen is I would work super hard. Cause I just, that's what I was taught to do is work hard, do your best and be competitive. And I would get all my work done and then they wouldn't have any more work for me to do. Cause they're like, they just have a, a time for me to work. And they didn't have a project for me to work on. They had projects, but it was more, the time was higher priority. And so I would just get done and I'd be like, well, I'd be like, Hey, what do you want me to work on next? They're like, well, they would just give me busy work, right? And so what ended up happening in school and at work is I would always fall asleep at the end of my at the end towards the end of the shift. So I just got bored. I didn't have anything to do, so I just fall asleep. You know, I don't know. I don't, no one ever fired me probably because they like saw. I, I I was always afraid I'd get fired for falling asleep on the job. I never got even asked about it. I never got written up about it once. And I think that's because like people like like my supervisor saw that I was like actually just doing really like good work and I was done my work and then I was like, always falling asleep, whatever, like he did his work today, you know? Um, but when I started doing sales, I never fell asleep. I never fell asleep. I'd work like way longer hours, but I never fell asleep. Cause I was like way more, I, I was way more invested in what I was doing. I wasn't necessarily more passionate about it. Um, I wasn't, I've never super been passionate about sales, but I was more invested in it. So like, I used to work hard because I knew that if I worked hard, I got paid back what I wanted. If I worked till the project was complete, right? And in this case, my project completion was marked by getting sales, like getting a credit card for someone, swiping it, getting it like input to the system, having a guy come and do a, a service, right? And that was like what my project completion was. And then the more projects I completed, the more I got paid. And so that like was, it just, it changed like how I slept. Or how it changed how I, I didn't, I stopped sleeping and changed how I slept definitely, but it just changed how I worked and was, it was so big for me. And so again, like some people like might be listening to this and be like, this is pretty normal stuff, Cody. Like, um, you know, but for me, it was, it was, a, it was a big realization that I could, I could make more money at my current job because it was based on performance. And I was very grateful for that. Now that I will like say there was a caveat that did like help me get that. And that's because I was raised on a farm. Kind of, um, like both my grandparents are farmers, and so we like in the summers we'd live on my grandpa's farm, and uh, all my working, all my jobs I had were always farm jobs, and they were always paid, almost always paid, um, by performance. And so, if you if you have if you meet any you, if you have a farm kid, you always want to hire a farm kid, um, not because they're the brightest. Sometimes they are bright, but usually <laughs> sometimes they're not, but because they don't work the nine to five, they work till a project's complete because that's how they're raised. Um, when you work on a, when you live on a farm or you have livestock, we had sheep growing up. Um, you, there's no, there's no time off. Like if the sheep need fed or there's something wrong with the sheep, it doesn't matter if it's 2am. It doesn't matter if it's like 6pm and you want to go out with your friends, like that takes priority over everything else. And so you learn to like work all the time, always have like your brain turned on towards work because that's how a farm life is. Cause if you don't, then the farm suffers and you like go hungry or you don't sell your sheep as well, or you, you know, whatever, whatever your like farm life is. So because I was raised like that, um, when I got into the actual world of sales, I had the self discipline to still like work really hard and not just be lazy around and just work the hours. Right. 
And so that's, that's a little tangent, but I think it's an, it's an important tangent to have is that like, um, there are lots of different, I, I bring that up because there's a lot of different ways to work till projects complete. It's not just in sales. And so how, do, how does this all apply to the road less traveled? Well, obviously most people do the nine to five. Like that is the, by far the largest majority of people um, are employed workers. They, they, ha- they have a contract. The, the agreement between their employer is one of, I trade some time and some effort and that, that's limited. And it's limited in what you give, and it's also limited in what the employer gives. But for those people that are interested in taking away some of those limits and reaching their full potential, seek out employment opportunities that pay you off of performance, that pay you off of your ability to complete the job, not off of the time it takes to complete the job. And what you'll notice is if you're one of those people that's self-disciplined and if you're one of those people that works hard, that it's a way better lifestyle for you and way more rewarding. It's probably going to be harder. It's probably going to be harder because you're probably OCD and it, you have to like get a job complete. If it's not complete, it's going to drive you nuts. And so you'll have a lot of late nights and your family will get frustrated because you're not always on time for dinner. That's like me every day. Um, but it's really fulfilling to work on a project completion basis. And it's definitely the road less traveled because most people aren't that disciplined. Most people, um, most people would rather be told what to do than then tell themselves what to do. Um, we'd like to say that we're, we're not, but it, it is nice to just have someone else tell you what to do. Um, and just, and to check out and have a work-life balance. And a lot of times when you work in a project completion scenario, there's not as much work-life balance and that can, that can, there's some struggles that come with that. But for me, working on the project completion status has made all the difference, not only financially, um, but also freedom-wise and, and mentally and emotionally as well. So just those are some thoughts to think about. I'm, I'm, there's not a conclusion one way or another, just some personal experiences, personal thoughts. Hopefully those are valuable to you. Hopefully I wasn't too tangential and lost you. Um, but thanks for tuning in. Tune in to the podcast tomorrow, and we'll jam later.